Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 46. I'm reading from the English Standard Version if you want to follow along. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. The Psalms help us learn how to meditate. They help us learn how to meditate and they help us learn how to pray. That's what they are. They're, they're sung prayers composed thousands of years ago, and they were the product of the meditation of God's people as they struggled through whatever experiences they had to deal with in life. Uh, these are recorded, sung prayers that are the artistic result of real people struggling through real emotions across all of life's experiences. And the Holy Spirit has preserved 150 of them through history so that we can learn how to approach our God in whatever situation we're in. And so every summer, we, we look at several psalms. And today, we're looking at the famous Psalm 46. I've, I've looked forward to getting to this psalm and meditating on it throughout the week and then, and, and then sharing what God's put on my heart uh, with, with you. Psalm 46 helps us process our fears and find courage. The psalm addresses the full gamut of all the types of threats that we face in the human experience. It keeps things general, it doesn't get very specific, but if you look at all the psalm describes, you have it all, summarized in two ways, natural disasters and political ones. Ultimately, you boil all of your fears down to two categories. We're afraid of nature and we're afraid of people. There, there it is. And I think the reason Psalm 46 is especially famous is because a famous hymn was inspired by it. Martin Luther's Einfeste Burger in the 1520s. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. That old German hymn was inspired by Psalm 46. Martin Luther lived during a tumultuous period in the politics and religion of Western Europe. 
Actually, Luther's entire life was a constant battle against powerful people and powerful institutions that set themselves against him, against one little man. And when he wrote this psalm later in his ministry, later in his life, it is truly a beautiful summation. Uh, When he wrote that hymn, it's a beautiful summary of Psalm 46, which opens with the words, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And then the psalm concludes with the Lord of hosts in the Hebrew, the Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of armies. That's what the Lord of hosts means. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. One of Luther's younger contemporaries, John Calvin, wrote this about Psalm 46. Our faith is really and truly tested only when we are brought into very severe conflicts and when even hell itself seems opened to swallow us up. You know this, fear paralyzes us, right? Fear wreaks havoc on our bowels. Sorry to be so crude, but it does. Fear makes you do crazy things. And definitely in my, in my case, fear makes you say irrational things. Whatever you're afraid of, I want, to th- I want you to think about this today. Whatever you're afraid of right now in your life or whoever you're afraid of, I want to say this to you, God intends to increase your trust in him through that very challenge. So today's message on Psalm 46 is for anybody who's afraid. That's all of us at some time or another. But specifically right now, it's for anybody who's afraid of something or someone and needs to find courage. Because the true God is our refuge in a world of natural and relational disasters. And so we're going to talk about how danger is real. Normally, we're not imagining the threats that are before us. They're real. But the presence of God is just as real. And we're going to look at that. And then we're going to talk about how not only is God present in the danger, but God is supreme over it. So we're going to talk about how danger is real, but how God's presence is real. And we're going to talk about how God's supremacy is is real over the chaos and the danger. Now, the danger you face, whether it's relational or natural, meaning part of the created order, whatever it is, it's real. All you've got to do is is read a small handful of the Psalms to see that the Bible is not naive about the threats we face in the human experience. The Bible is very realistic. Throughout, but just read a few Psalms and you see it right away. There's no naivety here. Ancient people, far more than we do, lived in a constant recognition of humanity's smallness in nature. Think about it. Think about what storms and winds were like before the Industrial Revolution. Think about what droughts were like, what droughts are still like for farmers and people in the third world. Think about floods and earthquakes and volcanoes 
And what does the psalmist say in verses two and three describing this? Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters foam and roar, scholars say that those words there are a metaphor for the worst case scenario in a natural disaster. Think about it. When you think of mountains, you think, well, they're always there. They're immovable. They're not going anywhere. But when you think of the sea, especially ancient people, it was a source of chaos and unpredictability. Everybody was frightened of the ocean and the major seas. And yet here you have the immovable mountains crumbling, sliding away into the chaotic sea. And one scholar says it's basically a way of saying in nature, all hell has broken loose. The very fact that we have storm shelters is evidence of the fact that we cannot resist the power of nature. We can't resist it. We have to retreat from it. Think about it. Right? I remember years ago camping in Kansas and, and seeing the worst type of sign possible um, at the bathroom. It said, do not try to outrun a tornado. Because we can't, you know, at some point you can't turn around and say, all right, it's time to face this thing. Nature is so powerful, we just have to hide from it. We have to take shelter, right? We are helpless against it. We truly are small. And our helplessness against nature is not only an external reality, but it's an internal one, isn't it? Because all hell breaking loose is something that can happen in your own body through microscopic, cancerous, mutinous cells. It can come in the form of cirrhosis. It can come in the form of mental illness. Right? So the chaos that overwhelms us is not only out there in nature, it's within us as well. Nature is powerful and insurmountable inside of us as well. But the danger is not only natural, the danger also comes in the form of nations. I mean, governments, institutions, movements, major trends that shape an entire society or the world itself. These things can make a person feel very small. As it says in verse 6, what? Not only the seas, but the nations rage. Not only the mountains, but the peoples, the kingdoms totter. Wars, revolutions crush people, don't they? And displace them and scatter them and kill people and families and entire groups of people and ethnicities. Family disputes or marital conflicts make a child feel small or invisible. The chaos depicted in Psalm 46 has literally played out in the past two years before us. Right? Think about it. Our nation, American society, is raging. Politically and socially, it is tottering. And in recent floods, and fires, and even in Florida, collapsing buildings, 
And in a microscopic virus that literally delayed the progress of the entire planet and nearly 8 billion people, it has seemed as though all hell has broken loose around us. So nature dominates us, and as nations and factions battle for supremacy in society, people suffer the consequences. How realistic and relevant is this ancient song for us today, huh? But more than realistic, it's optimistic. The Bible is not pessimistic. It's realistic, but if you grow in your faith in the God of the Bible, even if you're a pessimist by nature, the progress is always toward optimism. Realism, but optimistic realism. Because what we discover in this psalm is not only is the danger very real and present and overwhelming, but God's presence is as real as the danger. God exists apart from all the chaos, and he is greater than it. He exists apart from and is over the world he created. The world is not God. God created the world. It's one of the first things that the Israelites had to understand when he rescued them as a nation of slaves in ancient Egypt. He had to explain that all, all the aspects of nature and creation that the Egyptians worshipped, he created all of that. He was separate from it. He was above it. It all, it all bore witness to his presence, but he was greater than it because he was apart from it. So he exists and he is greater than the world he created. So you see God versus nature here in verse six. He utters his voice and the earth melts. You see the very creator who made all things from the word of his power, the Westminster Confession of Faith says, he made all things by the word of his power. Right? The same God that spoke all things into existence can speak them out of existence. He utters his voice, the earth melts. And you also see God versus the nations. He makes wars cease, right? Think of the nations raging and tottering and all the squabbles and persecutions and, and, and genocides and revolutions and wars. And it says he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Even the most powerful regimes in human history and the most pervasive trends and philosophies and ideologies cannot outlast God's plans for humanity and for you. God's response to all of the dangers that we face that are described so eloquently in Psalm 46, his response to it all is found in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Now, scholars actually believe that that is not an encouragement to us. Although, as Chrissy said earlier, it is very encouraging to consider those words, be still and know that I am God. We can apply that and take it personally. But it's actually not an encouragement to us. It's a rebuke to the chaos. As one scholar put it, it is God. Be still and know that I am God. It is God speaking to the storms and speaking to the raging nations, the raging nations and the raging seas, saying, be quiet. Shut up. I'm speaking. And that's an encouragement. 
That's an encouragement. This instead is his direct encouragement to us, and it's the heart of the psalm. So he says, shut up to the raging nations and the raging creation. And then he says to his people, and this is the heart of it all in verse four, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. I want you to think of the very opposite of the raging, chaotic seas. I want you to think of a steady, slow, easy river. Not, not the streams that, that blast through the rocks and chasms in the mountains. Think of the slow, wide, lazy river as it approaches the ocean or the delta, okay? Think of the Nile. Think of the Euphrates. Think of the Danube or the Thames, all those great civilizations, the Mississippi that grew up out of such a slow, lazy, abundant river. I want you to think of a slow, easy river providing life and industry and flourishing to a civilization. Now, if you're familiar with, if you're familiar with ancient Israel, you know they didn't have a river like that. You know that, that, you know that no major river went through its capital. Jerusalem didn't have a river. It didn't have anything like that. This is figurative. When God says there is a river whose streams may glad the city of God, this is figurative. It's symbolic. He's saying, I will help her. He's saying, I am your life source. I am the source of flourishing and productivity and happiness and industry from within your midst. It's me. Look at verse 5. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning, draw, when morning dawns. See, he's saying, oh, the mountains, the mountains may crumble, they may be moved, but my people will not be moved. And that is why the singer can say, all the way back in verse 2, therefore we will not fear. We won't fear, doesn't matter what happens in nature. It doesn't matter what happens in the nations or in ours. We will not fear. For God is our refuge. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You see, God's presence with you is like a river whose streams make you glad. God's presence is the source. God's presence is the headwaters of your courage to withstand any danger, any threat, whatever you're naturally, whomever you're naturally afraid of. His presence is the source of your courage. As Luther said, our helper, he, amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. So I want you to think about this today and during this week. Here's something practical. Ask God for the courage to do what he wants you to do. Ask God for the courage to be the type of person he wants you to be. And so you're going to have to ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Who am I afraid of? And then ask God for courage. Sometimes we need advice. Sometimes we need counsel or even therapy or we need to read 
in order to better understand what God, want, what God wants us to do and who he wants us to be. And certainly, if you're a Christian, it must come out of the truth in his holy word, the Bible. But at some point, you have to be able to ask yourself and answer the question, who am I afraid of? Or what am I afraid of? God, give me the courage to be who you want me to be. Give me the courage to do what you want me to do according to what you have already said in your word. Ask him for courage this week. Have you lost yours? Have you lost your courage? This has been a couple of crazy scary years for everybody in different ways. Have you lost your courage? Or, or is the thing or the person that you have always found your source of courage in no longer stable or reliable for you or no longer living or no longer available? Is that fortress no longer a refuge to you. Or worse, are you still blindly seeking shelter in that thing or in that person? Every tool, every type of tool or uh, resource or every type of um, idea or ideology or, or some kind of habit that you have or process that you you know, works for you, or um, any type of tradition or individual that you have always relied upon other than him, whatever it is, whoever it is, it's either part of nature or it's a person, right? It's either nature or people, and therefore it is susceptible to all of the chaos that you see in Psalm 46, Outside of God, anything or anyone that we find as a refuge and a fortress is ultimately not a refuge and a fortress. And when we lean on those people and those things, it's like seeking shelter from a tornado in a treehouse. It is not a refuge. But the God of this psalmist Right? The God in mind, when the singer wrote the words, the God of the Bible is present in the chaos. But unlike the type of gods that humanity has invented in all of the mythologies, he is not simply in the chaos, he is above it. He is outside of it. He is greater than it. He is present in it, but he is supreme over it. And he says in verse 10 of Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Wait for it. Here's the rest. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He's saying you're watching mountains slide into the sea. You're watching nations raid and people's totter, rage and totter. And I'm saying to you, I will be exalted in all the earth. I will be exalted among the nations. I have a plan. It's going to come to fruition, regardless of what you see. But you've been telling him for two years, and we've been telling him for two years things like, I can't leave my house because of this virus. I can't speak the truth to that person because of what they're going to do in retaliation. 
I can't give up on my way of doing things because I don't know any other way to do them. When all along he has said, I will be exalted among the nations. When you think, when you think about the world your grandkids are going to live in and you're afraid for what they're going to have to face and you're frustrated and angry now, has God not said, I will be exalted among the nations? When you're afraid of viruses and illnesses and people who just make you sick to your stomach, has God not said, I will be exalted in all the earth? And then you read the Gospels in the New Testament, and Jesus of Nazareth comes along, and he does things like in a stormy sea when his disciples think they're going to die because of the waves, he, and the Gospels tell us, and listen to the word, he rebuked the winds and the waves, and they were still. And then when Simon Peter's, actually, he even said, peace, be still, and the waves stopped. And we are told when Simon Peter's mother-in-law was sick, it says in the Gospel of Luke, he rebuked the fever and it left her. And we hear of Jesus rebuking evil spirits and sicknesses from people. And we even hear of, uh, of Jesus rebuking Pontius Pilate by saying, you'd have no authority over me at all unless it was given to you from above. And then finally, at the end, when death put Jesus under, he rebuked it after three days. So that when the risen Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 28, which we read together earlier, when Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me, they believed him. And when he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, they did it. Because he, he was their courage. Jesus, the risen Jesus, who had supremacy over nature itself, was the courage that they needed in order to change the world. So, you're probably not going to change the world, but you need to change your world. You need to change your family. You need to change where you work and its environment. You need to change aspects of the nature of this church. God's put you in a neighborhood to change your neighborhood. And whatever it might be, ask God for the courage to do what he's calling you to do. Ask him for the courage to be the person he intends you to be. Because the true God, the true God is our refuge in a world of natural disasters and relational disasters. There is nothing that he has called you to do that you cannot do with the courage you need from him. Nothing. If this is the true God and he wants you to do something, do you really think, do you really think you're not going to be able to do it if you don't trust him? And his parting promise, you know, when, when Jesus said in Matthew 28, I have all the authority everywhere, so go and make disciples. And then what was the last thing he said? We read it earlier. It was exactly what we needed to hear. After all of that, we still needed to hear this. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And, and that 
parting promise continues the song of Psalm 46. It allows us to keep singing those words. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. We can keep singing those words until he comes back because he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So let's live lives that sing those words. And let's find our courage in the one who is with us in the chaos and yet exists in supremacy over that chaos. Let's pray. Our God, forgive us for making mud and straw shelters out of anything and anyone and everything. Father, we confess that in an age where we're allowed to believe in everything, some of us believe in nothing. We have slapped together makeshift shelters and we think somehow that they're gonna withstand the storms outside and inside. And, and I guess, Father, what we've done is uh, we've given up on you. We have turned to other forms of protection and we're sorry, we're sorry. Thank you that you are not like the gods of the West, personal but finite and crummy just like us. Thank you that you are not like the gods of the East, infinite but unknowable, impersonal. Thank you that Jesus has shown us you are great and you are a person. You are able to save us, but you love us. Even as you are with us in the chaos, Father, help us to find you in it and stand upon you as our only refuge. Father, give us courage to face whomever or whatever you are calling us to face. And like Jesus, give us both grace and truth to be what you want us to be. Help us find our courage. Amen.